Today is February 20th, 2007, and this is the Privacy Podcast. I'm Aaron Titus, podcasting sort of live from my closet. Email me with privacy questions or comments, privacy at aarontitus.net. This is show number 12, the Medical Information Bureau. Long before Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones hit the screen as intergalactic secret agents, the MIB was doing undercover work of a distinctly terrestrial nature. Quietly amassing storehouses of medical information since 1902, the Medical Information Bureau, or MIB, contains a sort of medical credit report on roughly 20% of the United States population. When you apply for life, health, or disability insurance, insurance companies collect information about factors that might affect your health or longevity, such as age, sex, drug or alcohol use, and other risk behaviors. There's a good chance that at one point or another, you have signed a waiver permitting an insurance provider to transmit this information to the MIB, which creates a record of the insurance findings. Once stored in the MIB databases, participating MIB insurance companies may access your information in order to reduce insurance fraud. MIB stores these records for about seven years, and some of their contents have been a closely held secret. Moreover, some of the information is inaccurate, which can cause major problems for some consumers who may be repeatedly turned down for insurance based on faulty information. This odd arrangement has led privacy specialist Simpson Garfinkel to refer to the MIB as, quote, the official insurance agency gossip columnist. Now, the MIB does not store medical test results, records, or x-rays, just codes indicating particular conditions. Though insurance companies are theoretically prohibited from rejecting insurance coverage based upon the MIB information, some evidence suggests that insurance companies do just that. So, what does your MIB report say? Well, the Fair Credit Reporting Act requires the major credit bureaus to offer one free credit report to consumers annually. However, the Act specifically does not apply to medical records. After some pressure from the FTC in the early 80s, the MIB has agreed to offer consumers one free MIB disclosure per year. Now, not everybody has an MIB record. But, ironically, in order to find out whether you're in the system, you have to become a part of the system. What I mean is that before the MIB will tell you whether they hold any personal medical information, you must give them a large amount of highly sensitive data so that they can compare it against their databases. You have reached MIB's Consumer Disclosure Request Processing Center. Your call will be recorded and used as evidence in the event of a dispute arising out of your request for disclosure. The rather stern voice of the MIB's automated phone system warns that failure to provide a broad range of personal information to the MIB... The call will be terminated. Please enter your nine-digit social security number. Please state your last name, your first name, your middle name, any other surnames you have used during the past seven years, your date of birth, your birthplace, your occupation, your current address, telephone number... Do you certify under the penalty of federal law? So, even if your personal information was not in their databases before you called, it will be once you call. Thank you. This completes the information gathering process. If your request is complete, MIB will process it within 15 days. Neither the automated phone system nor the website www.mib.com indicates how your personal information you supply over the phone will be used 
or how long it will be stored, whether it becomes a part of your MIB report, or whether it will be shared with insurance companies. About a week later, I received a letter from the MIB addressed to me. It said, quote, Using the identification information provided as a part of your request to MIB, we have made a thorough search of our records and cannot find any information. <laughs> Great! Now I had yielded my entire identity to the MIB, and they hadn't even disclosed how long they keep my identity or with whom they share it, and I don't have a thing to show for it. So I called customer service and requested that they purge my personal information from their databases. A nice woman with a thick Boston accent answered the phone, and I learned a lot about their data retention policies. When a consumer calls the disclosure report number, which is incidentally 866-692-6901, and I've got that information on my website, your information is divided into two files. Most of your identifying information is entered into a database and tagged with a unique reference number. Your social security number is peeled off of that and placed in a separate text log file with the same reference number. Both datasets are stored indefinitely, and MIB has no regular policy of purging either. The MIB uses your name, birth date, address, etc. to 1. search for matching records, and 2. make sure that you haven't requested a report within the last 12 months. But MIB representatives insist that they do not use the text file with the social security number for anything except to, quote, ensure that you are the one requesting your MIB record. Or in other words, the MIB inappropriately uses the SSN as a proof of identity. This is yet one more reason why your SSN should stay out of others' hands, to prevent medical impersonation. Since the MIB claims not to use the SSN for any reason except for proof of identity, I suggested that they rethink their data retention policy and purge the text logs on a regular basis. The supervisor gave me a rather dubious reply. She said, well, I'm sure they have their reasons for keeping the social security numbers. I didn't ask who they were or what their reasons might be. It was pretty clear she didn't know, and I doubt that I could have talked to them anyway if I'd asked. We're them. We're they. We are the men in black. I requested that they purge my social security number from their text log. After a long and good-humored conversation, the representative agreed to do me a favor and delete my SSN. However, it was clear that I was an exception to the rule. Before I go, here's this episode's privacy tip. Be sure to do your own cost-benefit analysis before ordering an MIB report. On one hand, the report may be very helpful if you were recently turned down for insurance, or if your premiums seem abnormally high. On the other hand, you must yield some very sensitive data to the MIB in order to get the report. Like most companies, they don't seem to have a regular data retention and dump policy, which means that your personal information may be stored indefinitely in files of varying security. Regardless, if you have not applied for life, health, or disability insurance within the past seven years, your MIB report will look like mine. I am just a figment of your imagination. I really appreciate listener feedback. Leave a note online, www.arentitis.net slash privacy. You can access this podcast at arentitis.net slash privacy or iTunes. Music today is My Aunt by The Tyler online at podsafeaudio.com.
sort of live and sleep-deprived from my closet. I'm Aaron Titus. Mm-hmm.